You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello, welcome to Triviality. My name is Ken, and uh, this is the first recording of 2021. Um, Just want to take this moment really quick before we get started to announce a big format change for the show. Uh, We're no longer going to be doing trivia we're now going to be profiling a different reggae Hasidic Jewish musician every week. This week we're doing Modest Yahoo. I think you got somebody for next week. But before we get to that, let me introduce my co-hosts, Matt, Jeff, and Neil. What's up, guys? Uh, yo, yo, yo. How's it going? <laughs> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> oh, it's good. Yeah, it is. First recording my, of... The second, second recording is going to be tough. I got to... Well, Modest Yahoo is the easy one. Well, right. That's why it's like a four-hour intro episode. Yeah. And then everything else is going to taper off. It's yeah. going to be a 10-minute <laughs> podcast yeah. from now on. So, yeah, I'm glad it's 2021. Uh, I feel like 2020 was sort of like the infinite jest of years. It just kept going and going. Yeah, that is infinite jest, not to be confused with my new triviality fan fiction that I've been working on. It's about my co-host's potent sperm, and it's called Infinite Jeffs. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, uh, Jeff. Nope. Just to prove that 2021 is uh, exactly like 2020, but with a different year. So yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, Matt, you're coming to us uh, from LA with uh, two plants behind you. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd step it up in 2021 and at least double my production of fake plants in my apartment. And so far, I've I've already hit my my goal. So rest of the year is looking good. Yeah. We, we did see his plants, but now he switched his background to the uh, Four Seasons Heating and Cooling. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if that joke is still relevant, but I like it. It's not. It's okay. <laughs> I should have had a sea shanty background. I apologize. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. Be on the lookout for Matt's new Instagram called uh, Two Plants <laughs> with a Z. But we are excited <laughs> to get going again in this new year. We took a bit of a break for the holidays, and uh, we're starting off with a bang because today's guest host is Ann Gehring. She's a savage superstar from Michigan. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I am a medical assistant. I live in northern Michigan with my husband. We have two girl, little girls uh, who are three and one. So that's a huge majority of my time. Um, but I love trivia. Even though I live in a really rural area, you guys have made it really possible for me to listen to trivia and uh, kind of get back what I used to have when I lived in the real world amongst the humans uh, when I could do live team trivia. So thank you. Yeah, that is one thing that you probably miss out on, but I'm pretty jealous of her lifestyle right now, to be honest. I'd kind of like to retreat into the, the rural wilderness a yeah, little bit. Yeah, she has you a very... want to live out your cabin in the woods yeah, fantasies. Yeah, she has a very picturesque window with like beautiful snow-covered uh, trees and... Yeah. And there's like some person... It's only picturesque for a minute. It's only picturesque until you try to get your uh, mini mom minivan up the hill and then you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's some trade-offs, but I'm a little bit jelly. That's all I'm saying. I don't think you're ready. All right. Well, are you ready uh, to make some teams today? I'm ready. Um, I know uh, Jeff came in here hot with a bunch of mail, like a mailman. Uh, thank you to the Postal Service. Uh sidebar but um you had a bunch of mail and in the mail was some magic cards is that right jeff yes not surprising uh, i had a bunch of magic cards ordered after christmas uh to spend up gift cards and such and uh so i guess we were inspired by a few of the names uh so neil was 
really keen on Prismatic Vista, so that will be our team name. Jeff and Neil, Prismatic Vista, and that leaves me and Matt to get our uh, repeating revenge on on your your victories. Uh, so what was our what was our team name? Again? Uh, I believe you guys chose Master of Cruelties. Master of Cruelties, <laughs> very accurate. That is a real magic card. So let's hear from the rules guy. Which which guy do you want to hear from this uh, this new year? Uh, it's a new year. Uh, let's be a little bit more international this year. That's my resolution for Triviality. So let's go with the Dutch reading. Dutch reading. De regels van het spel zijn simpel. 20 vragen verdeeld over twee rondes, waarbij elke vraag 10 punten waard is. Halverwege is er een speciale swingronde, ontworpen door de host van deze week. Na deze rondes beginnen de spelers aan de finale, met de punten die ze hebben verdiend. En hebben ze de mogelijkheid om 0 tot 30 punten in te zetten op 5 gecategoriseerde vragen. Aan het eind van het spel wordt iemand benoemd tot the cream of the crop. I'm the queen, I'm the queen of the crop, oh yeah. Thank you, Willem. Yeah, and I think everybody understood the rules, uh, new listeners. Uh, just go back one episode and listen to the rules in English if you prefer. <laughs> um, and uh, I think we're ready to get started, Anne, if you want to take it away, question one. All right, question number one in the category Six Semper Tyrannis. Leon Cholgosh was an American steelworker and anarchist who assassinated what president in Buffalo, New York at the Pan American Exposition? I believe we can lock in, Neil. Okay. Yeah, um, Matt, uh, I always get confused uh, name-wise between the Garfield assassin and the McKinley assassin, but since she said Buffalo, I'm pretty sure that's McKinley. Mm-hmm, sounds like it. Okay. Yeah, and we too went William McKinley. Points all around. It is William McKinley. And Ken, for you, the uh, assassin of the other president you named is Guito. Ah, okay. It, Char- wa- it wasn't Monday. Stop the count. We are undefeated this year. We've gotten every question right in <laughs> 2021. Great success. All right. Number two, your category, not Elisa Left Eye Lopez question. Shame. Well, NSYNC Aww. does have a song. <laughs> well, NSYNC does have a song on No Strings Attached called Space Cowboy. Joey from Friends has an imaginary friend who is also a space cowboy. No word from Steve Miller on his opinion, though. What is Joey's imaginary friend's name? Shame. I, I have been watching some Friends reruns on TBS while I eat my breakfast because I just can't handle any other content that early in the morning, which is like mm-hmm. 11.30. Yeah. So you, you opt yeah. for brain mush while you eat your mush oatmeal? Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so the song you were talking about, Ramblin' Man, that's by... Um, Oh, the Almond Brothers. Brothers. Oh, okay, I yeah. thought maybe it would be a good space. So you've man. got um, you've got the Joker, you've got uh, Jet Airliner, you've got Fly Like an Eagle, you've got mm. those are your Steve oh, Miller songs. Joker sounds right because I mean that's kind of like uh, reminds me of Top Gun. Their names were you know Joker, Maverick, uh, Goose. Um, I don't know. Do you want to just go with Joker? <laughs> it's an informed guess. Okay, so with a yippee yo yippee yay, we're gonna lock in with Joker. And we just said Harold. Oh, you were so close. I thought you might get there. The reference is to the Joker, but the answer is Maurice. Oh, oh. oh some people call mm. me Maurice. That's right. Good question. All right. Number three in the category Army and Memes. The Universal Camouflage Pattern, or UCP, is a digital military camouflage pattern that was formerly used by the U.S. Army in their Army combat uniform. It was chosen after lab and field tests from 03 to 04 showed it to provide the best concealment in many different operational environments. But my husband, the former army sergeant, would have to disagree. Quickly gaining internet fame, a photo of a soldier wearing this camo pattern was completely camouflaged while doing what? I always thought that this uh, camo pattern was to take cover in like digital surroundings, like if you're in virtual reality, you know? (laughs) Like the uh, like seems very early two thousands thing. You're hiding an eight bit. Yeah, like like you're. It is in... exactly what it looks like. That is a hundred percent what it looks like. You're in disclosure. I was just gonna say you're in yeah. disclosure, and Michael Douglas is looking for files. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't recall this one. Do you want to say eating breakfast? That's pretty funny. Um, I mean, I guess that's fine. Do you, do you have any know. any ideas? It would be. I would think it'd be some kind of outdoor activity, because you'd figure it would just be something. Random, but laser tag playing. Sure, laser tag. Laser that's tag. Funny. All right, uh, we're gonna go with an activity uh, that some might want to be camouflaged for, uh, I suppose, and we're gonna say milking a cow. 
Oh, I love that. I want to see that picture. No, this is actually, um, he was laying on an ugly couch from the seventies. It's like your grandma's couch that has Mm. that flower pattern. (laughs) He is completely camouflaged. It's so great to see photos of people who are like, there's a photo of my husband in Afghanistan wearing this camo pattern. And then there's a photo of this guy on a couch. And I'm like, why did we, why did we choose this? This is not the right, the right style of uniform. And I'm so glad that they don't use it anymore because it's terrible. Show me ugly couch from the (laughs) seventies. Was your husband also covered in uh, really uh, tight plastic as he walked around? <laughs> like a grandma couch. Like a grandma couch. <laughs> like a grandma couch. <laughs> yeah, we, we got it. We got there. There was such a long pause. I was oh. like, oh, no, I didn't want it to sound weird. <laughs> Lord, what a day. All right. Number four, your category, birds aren't real. Frigate birds are pretty cool. They occasionally rob other seabirds for food, and they have the largest wing area to body weight ratio of any other bird. What oceanic island country's flag features a gold frigate bird on a red field above the water? Don't kill the seabird. And uh, I'm not confident on it, but uh, we'll lock it in. So you got your you got your Albania. That's a big one. All right. I think we're going the wrong, the wrong way here. So we got... Yeah. Let's do by region. Indonesia, probably well, I think, not. I think Papua Australia, New Guinea no. has a bird Papua on its flag. Okay. That's the right area, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know if that's the one thing she's describing, but I think that might be something. All right, let's go with that. Papua New Guinea. And uh, we are going to go with um, a country that used to be in the past, but now they're in the future. They, they moved their international date line, and we're going to go with uh, Kiribati. Kiribati or Kiribati is correct. Well, we weren't getting there, so I don't even feel bad. Mm-hmm. Is Kiribati related to Keir Knightley? Yes. Okay. They're cousins. <laughs> Number five, your category. What a dick. My hometown of Clarksville, Tennessee is known for many things, including my alma mater, Austin P. State University. In the 1987 NCAA basketball tournament, Austin P. led number three seed Illinois at the half. What famous broadcaster former NBA head coach and member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, stated that if my alma mater won, he would stand on his head, only to have Austin P. upset Illinois 68 to 67. Um, we can we can lock in then. Great. Yeah, uh, NBA coach. Um, I mean, when she said, w- what a dick, um, I was thinking of Dick Vitale, but I don't think he ever coached a team. I think he no. was just a broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, Richard... I don't know if any other coaches. I was thinking of um, the really tall Walton, but he, I don't think he was a coach either. He was just a play, player. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you know any coaches named Richard? No, I'm okay. not great with the NBA. All right, let's go with... Um, uh, I can't remember the the Knicks head coach. All right, we'll just say Dick Vitale. Ooh, coach of the Pistons back in the 70s. I'm pretty sure this is uh, Dickie V, Dick Vitale. This is Dick Vitale, and I have a great story about this. Um, My dad was a sports broadcaster. He was a broadcaster for Austin Peay State University, did play-by-play, and uh, a little bit of color commentary back in the day. He got to emcee the event where um, that Austin Peay held. Austin Peay held this great event uh, where they brought everyone back after the tournament ended, just as a congratulations for such a Cinderella team doing so well. And... They invited Dick Vitale. Well, my dad got to MC this event. And as part of MCing, he is announcing the head table. He's like, to my right, I have so-and-so and his wife, so-and-so, the president of the university, blah, blah, blah. I have the head coach, blah, 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 and his wife, so-and-so. And then he points to Dick Vitale and he says, and this guy, well, I'm going to overlook him like he overlooked us. And so my dad got to lay a sick burn on Dick Vitale, which I think is the greatest thing in the history of the world. <laughs> Did he end up standing on his head? He did. Yeah, he stood on his head and had a few of the like starting players hold him up at the game. And there's a photo of that too that my dad has. That's great. Nice. Well, at the end of five questions, it looks like uh, whatever our name was, unbridled cruelty or master of cruelty. Master of cruelties. (laughs) It's like Metallica's uh, master of puppets, but lagging a little bit behind the uh, prismatic vista. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> this is this is getting difficult, man. After uh, four years of podcasting, uh, we're lagging a little bit behind. It's uh, thirty to twenty. All right, going into question number six in the category of war, 
Roman general Publius Cornelius Scipio earned the agnomen or nickname Africanus after victories at Alippa and Zama during what war? Uh, yeah, uh, Gary Johnson just walked in. He asked, uh, what is a Lippa? Uh, but, uh, we told him to swiftly leave, uh, but I believe Jeff and I are, are locked in with an answer. Yeah. I have no idea on this one, Matt. Uh, I'm, I'm so we're looking very... for a Roman battle, right? Roman wa- war. Probably. Yeah. So do you want to say the Boer war? Because I don't really know when that was. I think yeah, it was fine. later, but. Uh, we know they had a few of them, so we guessed this was Punic Wars. That, yeah, this was the second Punic War, but I'll take Punic Wars. This is after he defeated Hannibal. So Africanus, uh, meaning essentially granting him this African title after he defeated the Carthaginians in Africa. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's the only Roman war I knew about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have I pulled that. that. That's always on Jeopardy. That's one of those things. And every time it's on Jeopardy, I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Number seven, your category. Coming soon to a blockbuster near you. A bronze giant of Greek mythology built by Hephaestus and a Marvel character played by a green Ben Mendelsohn. Share what name? Damn. I know the, the Marvel character, and I just can't pull his name. Yeah, I know his species. Yeah. Okay, after a long deliberation, uh, Matt was able to pull it. We were locked in. So I know Hephaestus, uh, you know, was like a blacksmith or created this statue. Uh, it was in a play that Colleen did, but I cannot for life of me remember. Well, the big statue that I'm thinking of is the Colossus of Rhodes. Okay, so that's better than anything I'm going to come up with. I know Ben Mendelsohn played a scroll in Captain Marvel. I cannot remember his name, but do you think it could either be Colossus or Rhodes, maybe? Yeah. I'd... Rhodes is already part of the MCU. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. <laughs> so it's definitely, a, let's just go classes because I, I can't come up okay. with it. Sounds good. All right. Uh, Matt, you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I had recently watched this movie. Uh, it's not bad. Um, it kind of gets a bad rap, to be honest. Uh, it's from Captain Marvel. I'm pretty sure that the character's name was Talos or Talos. So the correct answer is Talos. That is right. He plays uh, the scroll in Captain Marvel. Good poll. Yeah. I was never going to get there. All right. Question number eight in the category, spice up your life. A scientific study on what makes things memorable found that Wannabe by Spice Girls is the catchiest song. Participants recognize this song in 2.3 seconds compared with an average of five seconds for other popular hits. This is undoubtedly due to the very recognizable first line, yo, what Spice Girl sings this memorable line? We can lock Mm. in. So I, I'm inclined to think it's sporty or scary. It's not. No? It's scary. Scary? Okay. We're good. Yeah. going to go with scary. Very surprised by that yo. We are also going with uh, Mel B, known as Scary Spice. The wonderful Mel B is correct. It is Scary Spice. All right. Number nine, your category. Your body is a wonderland, slowly turning into bone. The xiphoid process is a triangular region of cartilage that slowly ossifies into bone. Where in the human body is the xiphoid process located? That was Matt's nickname in college. (laughs) (laughs) Trust the xiphoid process. Um, Yeah, we will lock in. Okay. What what do you what are you thinking here, Mm -hmm. Matt? You said you you didn't know too much medical stuff. Yeah, but um, if you're looking at triangular and a lot of cartilage it could be the nose does that make sense i was thinking that i don't know if that turns into bone as you get older though i've heard a couple things like your hair spouts out of it yeah i've heard a couple things like like your ears keep getting bigger or you know something like that or your nose keeps Mm -hmm. getting you know i've heard that kind of stuff i wonder if it's in the the hip because when you Mm -hmm. get old your hips become very vulnerable it is and it is triangular right the the hip bones basically i mean i mean if if, <laughs> if you draw a triangle around yeah, it i suppose it you, could, you could kind of fudge that yeah let's go with the hip that is a clever answer for which i hope you're right to reward you for I have that no but idea. uh we just guessed nose so all right so the xiphoid process is located at the base of your breastbone or the base of your sternum i used oh, to work in that? cardiothoracic surgery there were people who would have like lung metastases to be attached there. And so I got to see some xiphoidectomies, which is a fun word, or the removal of this little bone at the base of your sternum. Gotcha. In the martial arts movies, they always do the, 
you know, right into the zygoid Yeah, usually process. not into the microphone. Not into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I'm going to punch you in the pancreas, then I'm going to punch you in the duodenum, then I'm going to punch you in the zygoid process. <laughs> Number 10, your category is rated E for everyone. Sheila the kangaroo, Sergeant Bird the flying penguin, Bentley the yeti, Agent 9 the monkey, and Hunter the cheetah are all friends of what PlayStation video game character? I'm pretty confident we can lock in. Okay. What's the name of that character? He's he's got red fur. He's got a huge upper body and face with a really tiny waist. And he like hops around in the jungle, and they just remastered it. And he I, has he wears sneakers. I know. I literally couldn't tell you. Oh, I, I'm I'm lost. I, I also wrote down Parappa the rapper, but Jeff didn't know who that was. I don't know what that is. <laughs> a one, uh, a two, a three, or whatever. Yeah. Kick, punch. It's all in the something. <laughs> oh yeah, I do know that. Uh, so I I. Crash Bandicoot. That's it. Sure, let's guess that. We'll lock it could that. be wrong, but let's guess it. Crash Bandicoot is what I thought, but Matt said. Yeah, I think that this is the uh, little dragon guy, Spyro. Oh. Back when I had PlayStation, I only had three games. Mary-Kate and Ashley's Mall Mystery Madness, Cool Borders 3, and your answer, Spyro. Oh, good job, nice. Matt. Great, that, that's great so funny because my little sister had both of those games, but then she also had the Shrek game, and that's all she would play on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. Video game is such a blind spot for me in trivia. I literally know nothing other than, like, Cool Borders and Spyro, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job convincing me out of that one, Matt. Um that pulled us uh, to a tie, thanks to you and your pulls of Talos and Spyro. Uh, it is five to five, or as we say on Triviality, 50 to 50. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, before we throw it to the swing round, uh, thank you for everyone uh, interacting in the crop, uh, also on Patreon and in our Discord channel, uh, which uh, you can come uh, talk with Anne over there and a bunch of other folks and hear about new episodes and talk about the... Uh, the spoilers for each episode if you'd like a uh, non-Facebook alternative. So thanks, everyone, for uh, interacting over there. We appreciate it. All right. Shall we move on to the swing round? Let's do it. So I am six years sober. Back when I drank alcohol and ruined lives, I was a very active yet very terrible karaoke singer. My go-to song was none other than the song that will be your basis for today's swing round. Your category is We Didn't Start the Fire. I will give you a clue, and you will have to name the person, place, thing, or whatever it is that fits the clue and can be found in the Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire. All right. Number one, Morena, Lutera, Yaz. Number two, this is a phrase, 1958 medical disaster resulting in increased infant fatality and birth defects. Number three, Julius and Ethel. Number four. Broadway and movie character Angel Dumont Chenard died from complications related to this disease. Number five, Salk invention. Number six, communist dictator who died on March 5th, 1953. Number seven, successor of number six, both in the song and historically. Number eight, 1951, St. Valentine's Day massacre winner. Number nine, a phrase, November 22nd, 1963. And for number 10, I'd like you to name one of the two people who are mentioned twice in the song. Okay, we will think this over and uh, try not to listen to the song on YouTube, and we'll be right back. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you.
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we've spent a few minutes seeing Ryan started the fire, uh, and I think we're ready to submit our guesses. Holding up our cheesy cheese pitas. Yep. yep. All right, number one was Marina, Lutera, and Yaz. All right, Matt said that Yaz was a red sock, so we said red socks. Oh, that's good. That guess. makes sense. Yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't have any guests, uh, so we just said uh, Rita Moreno. All right, both good guesses. Number for number one, Morena is an IUD. Lutera and Yaz are both forms of oral contraception. Oh, yeah. This is birth control. Yep. Mm. Number two was a phrase: nineteen fifty eight medical disaster that resulted in infant fatality and birth defects. Uh, we didn't know either on this one. We guessed it was about that time, uh, the cultural revolution in China would have been happening. So we just said the cultural revolution. Okay. We said Chernobyl, but now I realize that was much, much later. That's okay. Number two is, uh, children of thalidomide. So thalidomide was marketed out to people without a lot of great testing and they were marketing it as safe for pregnant women. Turns out it was very unsafe. For pregnant women and right. resulted in a lot of deaths and a lot of birth effects. Number three, Ethel and Julius, or Julius and Ethel. We don't know who that is, so we said the Joneses. Yeah, we, we weren't sure. We we thought of I Love Lucy with Ethel and uh, Ethel Merman, but we, we just couldn't come up with anything, so we just said Caesar. This is everyone's favorite espionage mm. uh, holes. This is the Rosenbergs. Mm. Oh, it is, yeah. Number four, Broadway and movie character Angel Dumont Chenard died from complications related to this disease. Okay, I knew this one, um, but I wasn't sure how it was stated in the song, so I put AIDS slash HIV. Yeah, we went with uh, AIDS. AIDS is correct. Points to both teams. Yay. Number, <laughs> number five, Salk Invention. Uh, yeah, I think we're pretty sure it was a vaccine, and around that time, we're going with the polio vaccine. Uh, we, too, went with the polio vaccine. Yep, he only refers to vaccine in the song, but it is the polio vaccine that he's referring to, so points to everybody. Number six is a communist dictator who died March 5th, 1953. All right, pretty sure this one is Stalin. We said Stalin. Stalin is correct. And number seven, his successor, both in song and historically. Um, for that one, I think we went with Khrushchev. It's a question I've asked before and now I can't quite remember. But Yeah, uh, we know Khrushchev was around 61. So we figured if he had a few years behind him, we said Khrushchev. Very close. There is one person who sits in between Damn, the it's... two of them, and that is Malenkov. Malenkov. That's right. I need to rewatch that movie. Death of Stalin. Ken, you were so close. You were so close in your discussion. I was waiting for it. I knew it was an M All name. Right. How could you forget me, Ken? <laughs> that was Malkovich. Yeah, not my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We we got it. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Number eight, 1951, St. Valentine's Day Massacre winner. Matt, you want to talk about our reasoning here? Yeah, first we thought it was, I was thinking Al Capone, but he wasn't a really good boxer, so we decided it might have been a boxer. Uh, we're looking at 1950s boxers, and the most famous one I could think of was Joe Lewis, so we said Joe Lewis. That's a really good guess. Um, I was just assuming that there would be one reference to Marilyn Monroe in this song, or at least in the clues. Um, I know there is, she is in the song, but what I'm trying to get at is um, she was in Some Like It Hot. I can't remember if it was 51 or not, but that uh, portrayed the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and she was in the movie so we said Marilyn Monroe oh I didn't even think about that I guess that happened uh this is actually you guys were on the right track Matt 
this is the person who defeated Jake LaMotta, who could have been a contender. Oh, it was Sugar Ray Robinson. Oh, I did say that, too. Damn. We yeah. said a lot of boxers, to be oh. fair, though. So. Mm -hmm. Number nine is a phrase, November 22nd, 1963. Uh, we didn't know, so we were thinking moon landing for some wrong reason, and we said one small step. Um, yeah, um, eleven twelve sixty three is a book and also a, like a short TV series. We know that revolves around the JFK assassination. And uh, Neil correctly, I think, remembered it's JFK blown away, which is a very sensitive way yes. to put it. Thank you, William Joel. Yes, good job, William Joel. Very sensitively addresses the issue by saying JFK blown away. Mm -hmm. I mean, what else does he have to say, right? That's right. It's there. And number ten. One of the two people who are mentioned twice in the song. Uh, we said Monroe on that one. I remember in the song early on, um, he says Richard Nixon. Yep. and Joe uh, McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studebaker, television. And then I remember at the end, he says Richard Nixon back again, something, something, something. So we said Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon is one of them. The other one is John F. Kennedy. Mm. All right. So following that wah, round, wah, it looks wah, like... Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Following that round, it looks like we picked up 15 points, and the other guys over at Prismatic Vista Vista uh, picked up 25, so they regained their lead uh, of 10 points. All right, round two, question one. Your category is literature. Noah, Tom, Rose of Sharon, Al, Ruthie, and Winfield are all siblings and characters of what 1939 American novel that is set in Oklahoma and follows the family as they travel across the country to California. Oh, well, we can lock in. Okay, so these guys have a good idea. Uh, I'm not familiar with this bunch, but uh, could it be a bunch of Grapes of Wrath? Uh, that was my first thought. That's where they're going, California, so it makes sense. Yep, Dust Bowl, Grapes of Wrath. Yep, if I ever decided to get into the restaurant business, I'd have a little breakfast place called the Grapes of Wrath. Um, so we said the Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath is correct. John Steinbeck himself. For once, Grapes of Wrath is the correct answer. <laughs> <Finally>. <laughs> Question number two in the category, also a great episode of The X-Files. What difficult-to-say word can be defined as a straight-line configuration of three or more celestial bodies in a gravitational system? And, uh, yeah, the first word that came to mind, uh, not hard to say, but uh, it got me to our final answer, so we are locked in. Okay. Um, Matt, I don't think this is a long word, but I think there's a lot of, like, consonants next to each other, and I think it's, like, mm -hmm. S-C-Z-Y, schism, schism, something like that. Zizix mm -hmm. Road. Zizix Road, something like that. Do you know? Do you kind of know what I mean? It's a, it's another word for eclipse, basically, but it's not eclipse. Yeah, it sounds like synergy, right? Yeah, it, it's. I know I heard this schism. It's not schism. Giz That's tool. That's a tool. <laughs> it's song. a great tool song. <laughs> uh, that was what I was thinking of. No, we can't. We sticks. Can't. Sticks. <laughs> the band Sticks. The river. There's a lot of sticks. <laughs> Um, Having said that, all did you did, were you able to like pull the correct answer? Yeah. What and, is it? And you are painfully close. I know because it's syzygy. Syzygy. With three Y's all in weird spots, it is syzygy. You were like so close. I was like, "Come on, guys, you got this." Matt, we're like almost good at trivia. We just need to take that <laughs> last thought... step. All right, round two, question three in the category four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three. And 42. On the TV show Lost, Charlie and what other character are captured by Ethan in an attempt to do fetal testing on the character's unborn child? We can lock in. Oh, good, because I, I haven't watched past the first season, so I do not know. Oh, uh, this is, I believe Claire is her name. Was that Evangeline Lily? No. Um, that Evangeline Lily plays um, somebody else. Oh. <sighs> Kate. 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 Kate Austin, yeah. But uh, we, we also went with the only person who I could think of who was pregnant when they crashed on the island, which was Claire. Correct answer is Claire. One really great fact about this is that Ethan pretends to be one of the flight members who crashes with them, turns out to be one of the others, and his name, Ethan Rom, is an anagram for other man. Hmm. Also, I believe that's played by... Um, William Mapather, uh, 
cousin to Tom Cruise. Neat. It's true. Because Tom Cruise was born Thomas Mapather. Mm -hmm. All right. Question number four in the category geography. Russia has the most land borders in the world with 14. What French-speaking African nation borders the most countries out of any other in Africa with nine? Don't get it confused with a 1995 Tim Curry film. Me and Neil are both thinking about Tim Curry films, yep. and uh, Matt and Jeff are thinking about geography. Uh, I, for some reason, I was thinking of Fern Gully as the movie. Ooh. Oh, yes, the very popular African nation of Fern Gully. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you could have let me play that one out a little bit was longer. Was he Texas? <laughs> uh, uh, Isn't Fern Gully where they're like looking for unobtainium or something, right? Basically. <laughs> oh, could this be... um? Was he in Congo? Yeah, maybe. Was he? I don't know. But I think that's the best we're going to do. Do they speak French in Congo, uh, Republic of Congo? They speak French in a lot of, uh, a lot of Africa. Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> we're going to go with Congo then, Republic of Congo. Uh, to not be confused with the nation of Congo, I believe the correct answer is the Democratic Republic of Congo. It is the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I'll let you guys That's what decide I said. if you want to give points on that or not. He said Congo. He I said, said my, I even he, said the Republic of Congo. He said my, Michael Crichton's Congo. So, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. great. Uh, I if it. I remember, Congo has a great action sequence at night. I maybe Tim Curry's in that action sequence where they're attacked by hippos in the water. Is Tim Curry all the apes? Yeah, he does all the motion capture. He he was the uh the uh what's his name? You're, you're saying it like there was CG in that movie and it wasn't guys in ape and, costumes. Andy Circus of uh of ape performance. Well, I guess Andy Circus is the ape yeah. is the ape performance. Yeah. <laughs> all right, number five in the category buttheads of American history. Jeff. What bat elected. <laughs> <laughs> What bachelor president of the United States had his niece act as first lady? And just to give another clue, I feel that I should also add that he is, in my humble opinion, a real butthead for supporting the decision of the Supreme Court in the Dred Scott case. Yep, we're locked in. I believe the, the bachelor president is Buchanan. Matt? Mm -hmm. All right, we're going with Buchanan. JB. And we locked in with James Buchanan. Butthead Buchanan is correct. Following the first half of the second round, it looks like Prismatic Vista picked up uh, five points. They got all those correctly to get uh, 125, and we got four of those correctly for 105. All right, moving into question number six in the category TV show Tribond. I want you to name the actor or actress who appears in all three of the following. Nip Tuck, 24, and Battlestar Galactica. Oh, man. I never got into Nip Tuck. People said I'd like it, but I can't. I can't do the surgery scenes. I can think of one from like Nip Tuck, Game of Thrones, and name something else. Peter Dinklage was in. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure we can lock in. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know Nip Tuck at all. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I could name some people in Battlestar Galactica, maybe, or one person. <laughs> okay. Edward go James for it. almost. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of people from 24. There's that lady who plays Starbuck. I mean, uh, yeah. multinational coffee chain. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of this, the guy that was in, uh, I can't, he was in like everything in that time period. Uh, he was in 24. It's like, he was one of the only people that didn't turn on Jack. Dennis Haysbert. Neil knows. Neil knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but I can't remember. He was also, I think, in the OC for a little bit. I can't remember his name. Was it like the, handsome, get the younger handsome guy who played Apollo? Yeah, I Battle think so. Star? I have no idea who that is. You want to go with uh, the guy, the Allstate guy? <laughs> I don't know. There's the president what, what about the woman who plays the president in Battlestar? Rose. I don't. What's her name? I've never, I've never seen Battlestar. Okay. We're going with Dennis Haysbert? Yes. The president? Sure. Okay. So I know this actress was in Battlestar Galactica, despite never seeing it. Uh, I also know she was in Nip Tuck, despite never seeing it. Uh, but I pulled it because I knew she was in 24, 100%, because I love 24. So we went with Katie Sackoff. Yep. That is uh, the lady who plays Starbuck, whose name I couldn't remember. She's also in Mandalorian. Yes, she is. 
Indeed she is. She plays Dana Walsh in 24, Dr. Teddy Rowe in Nip Tuck, and of course, Kara Thrace in Battlestar Galactica. I kind of forgot she was in Nip Tuck because mm. I only ever really think about Jolie Richardson being in that. But mm. And I was thinking of the very handsome Eric Belfour. Mm. He's the guy that I was thinking of. He is very handsome. I think like a handsome guy named too. 24 has a lot of people that you just don't think about. Like um, the guy who is in, oh, what's it called? He's in Heroes and he's also in a season of American Horror Story. And I can't think of his name. Uh, oh, Zachary yeah, yeah. Quinto? Um, Zachary Quinto was, just, a, was a hacker. Just a Quinto. Yes, just a Zachary Quinto. Quinto. Yeah. That's yeah. his name. Yeah, I believe he was an uh a trainee of uh, Chloe at one point. I was like, I know it's not Milo Ventimiglia because I don't remember that. Hey, Neil, can I get you some more coffee? Just a Quinto, Just please. Just a Quinto? Mm. That's like a quarter Start of a cup. Start slap. Question number seven in the category, The Mole. The Mole is one of the most underrated reality game shows of my childhood. What comedian won the first season of Celebrity Mole by determining that Frederick Vanderwall was in fact the mole? This occurred in 2003 three years after her cameo in an Eminem music video. Man, I thought for sure the answer was going to be Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought <laughs> Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> or Anderson Cooper. I don't remember this. All uh, I could think of is the, the mole from Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. Mole, 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 mole. <laughs> maybe, maybe this top one, just because at that time period she was on a lot. I don't know. I don't really remember the mole other than Stephen Baldwin and all the references we make, but we came up with a comedian who may have been on that show in 03 and uh, hopefully was in an Eminem video. So we're locked in. Do you think it could be Kathy Griffin? That's possible. Which, do, you, do you remember her from a, from a video? Um, so it says three years after, so 2000 would have to be like uh, real Slim Shady. And I feel like she might have been in that. Yeah, I am thinking. Um, I was thinking about Janine Gar- Garofalo as well for that era, and also Margaret Cho. Mm. But now that y- mm-hmm. I did watch Celebrity Mole, and now that you said Kathy Griffin, we'll go with Kathy Griffin. Yeah, uh, the, I was thinking of comedians who were fairly big early two thousands, um, and we went with Kathy Griffin as well. Your answer is Kathy Griffin. Uh, Stephen Baldwin and I believe Corbin Burnson are on both seasons of Celebrity Mole, neither of them winning, neither of them being the mole. And the winner of the second season of Celebrity Mole was actually Dennis Rodman. And they had another model be a mole, which I think was really interesting. And that was Angie Everhart. Mm. Oh. Mm. Speaking of Corbin Burnson, uh, Colleen and I are watching uh, all of Psych from the beginning because she's never seen it, and I forgot how great that show is. I know Matt loves it. You you go to sleep to that show, right, Matt? Um, it was The Office for a while, but they took it off Netflix, so now I've been I've been uh, sleeping to Community. You got to oh. download new, Peacock. That show's friend. great. Mm-hmm. Do you like Community? I've I never heard I you love say it. that. I love it never so much. Say that. I've never heard Jeff talk Even about the it. Even the bad either. seasons, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go to sleep to Criminal Minds, if that tells me. Oh, that's anything. a good one. My style of personality. Yeah, give me some weird dreams <laughs> about Greg from Dharma and Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of psych, they just had an episode where they they make fun of Criminal Minds, which is which is great. It was the guy from The Dark Knight who had eyeliner. If you remember, who played the mayor, he plays him. Yeah. yeah. All right, number eight in your category: Jesus Christ Superstar. In the Bible, Mark chapter 14 details Jesus going to what location at the foot of the Mount of Olives to pray to God prior to his death? I have a guess. I actually know this one. I know this one. All right. Ken with the Bible stuff. All right. So they're locked in. I know if I heard it, I think I could tell you if it was correct or not. My, My mind flashed the Garden of Gethsemane, but I don't know if that's right. Okay. I've never heard of that before. Okay. So... This is where he prays, or maybe I'm thinking of where the bush burns. That's in the mountains. Yeah, very, very different things. Okay, so I have no idea then. I I think if I, if Ken says it, I'll probably know it, but we can lock in with the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. Gethsemane. All right, we locked in with the Garden of Gethsemane. And your answer is the Garden of Gethsemane. What am I thinking of then? I have no idea. Maybe I'm thinking of (laughs) the Garden of Synecdoche, New York. All right. 
In number nine, your category is OJ didn't do it. While OJ might have been the first in the NFL to rush for over 2,000 yards in a season, he does not hold the record for the most career games with 200-plus yards and two touchdowns. That distinction goes to what running back and Heisman winner? Oh, you made me really nervous with that category. <laughs> and, then it, and then it ended up being okay. <laughs> he definitely stole that memorabilia. Definitely. 100%. <laughs> it's a more modern answer, but... He's definitely won a Heisman. Okay. I believe I saw this stat somewhat recently, so okay. maybe we'll go with it. All right. Cool. Jeez. Uh, this is tough because uh, I'm thinking... I don't think Barry Sanders won a Heisman, but he was my first guess. Do you have anything on this, Ken? Nothing. Okay. Uh, well, Daniel and Tomlinson also had a lot, but I also don't think he won the Heisman. Um, I think I think I think when you go running backs, you can't go wrong with Jim Brown. So uh, we're gonna lock in with Jim Brown. Jim Brown was actually my first guess but when ann said uh two touchdowns over 200 yards it just made me think of a stat uh that i saw recently a couple weeks ago about derrick henry who i think this year or last year had a ton so we went with derrick henry your answer is king henry if you wanted to game theory uh, i believe ann said she was from tennessee matt so i Mm. am indeed originally though i've lived in michigan for almost six years now I guess I forgot about him after he only rushed for like 30 yards last week. What a Ouch. Shame. Yeah, he was definitely dethroned. That's for sure. <laughs> that's the crazy thing about the Titans and Derrick Henry is that if he rushes for under 120 yards, we don't win. Like there's no chance. Yeah. Zero chance. <laughs> All right. This, this round isn't looking too good for us. Um, these guys have been on a roll. So let's uh, let's finish it up with a good question here. Hopefully. Number 10, your category is lakes. Voted third most beautiful lake by National Geographic, Torch Lake is a summer home to Kid Rock and Michael Moore. Its famous sandbar draws crowds of hundreds every summer. In what state would you find Torch Lake? And Kid Rock and Michael Moore uh, cohabitating, getting along, (laughs) cats and dogs, living together. They live on the same lake. I have no idea. There is another famous person who lives on this lake that i can tell you later i have an idea okay we will lock in with matt's idea um what's the name of that song where he ripped ripped off uh werewolves london and sweet home alabama where he's like all summer long something like that it's called all summer long is it sure okay because doesn't he say he's like sitting on the lake drinking beers and shooting guns that's probably not right Uh, (laughs) maybe (laughs) but like what lake is all of this new work um is it possible, Michael Moore? We're maybe like something in Arizona, like by is that where Lake Havasu is? Yeah, that is like by where that is. But um, I know people party there all the time. Maybe there's like a smaller torch lake that's more private. I don't um, know. where would Michael Michael Moore? Where's Michael Moore from? Isn't Kid Rock from like Michigan? I think so, but like Detroit area or something. It, Michael Moore's from Michigan too. Is it possible it's in Michigan? So like a big central lake in Michigan? Yeah, I, I mean, mean there's four of them that surround it, obviously. So. <laughs> Well, we could, like, do we want to go game theory and say Michigan, or do we want to say California, Arizona? Yeah, but what lake in Michigan? Well, Torch Lake, that's what we're talking about. Oh, <laughs> I guess. I'm sorry, what was the question? Do you want to go Michigan, play what, game what theory? What state is, is Torch state, Lake? Right? State. Michigan, I guess. Okay, we'll, we'll lock in with Michigan. I was thinking Michigan, but she said to, she warned us against game theory like that right at the front. So, Matt, what did you say? Yeah, I thought that we backloaded with game theory and Kid Rock famously being from Detroit. I figure he'd Michael stay in Moore Michigan because I don't know if he's allowed to travel. Uh, so we'll say Michigan. And the home to numerous COVID cases earlier in the year, this is Michigan. Hey, tried to throw All us right. off the scent there. Wow. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so Eminem also it. lives on this lake. So you can see like Eminem's house, Kid Rock's house, and Michael Moore's house, which is just a weird... <laughs> collection of humans okay that'll do it for regulation uh it looks like the master of cruelties is lagging a little bit behind at 135 is that the right name oh good and uh looks like prismatic vista taking the lead once again against me and matt uh 175 so we go into the final round hopefully to turn things around all right your categories for the final round 
Category number one, the Philosopher's Stone. Number two, Chamber of Secrets. Number three, Prisoner of Azkaban. Number four, the Goblet of Fire. And number five, Order of the Phoenix. Mm. These are Lord of the Rings things, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> While we're working on our wagers, uh, Jeff, uh, we do have a Patreon supporter in the house here. Anne is a savage superstar, and we thank her for that. But uh, where can other people join Anne and get some extra content? Yeah, if you are uh, interested in getting some extra content and supporting our show in the process, you can do so at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Um, thank you so much to all of our current uh, patrons. Um, we had a really good year 2020 as a result. We were able to do a lot more stuff than we thought we could possibly accomplish. So thank you to everyone. Um, we'd love to see 500 patrons this year. Um, so if you are interested and can support the show even just a little bit, um, we would greatly appreciate it. There's bonus episodes for days and uh, goodie, goodie boxes. A lot of other great uh, digital content. A lot of other great content and things for you there. So let me one up you too. I'd like to see a thousand Patreons this year. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. But we'll settle for 500 if we can get there. <laughs> uh, if we hit a thousand though, we are going to be doing an adaptation of the Magic Mike musical in Vegas at some point. Um, I hate that Again? idea. Again. <laughs> I hate that idea, but I would stand behind it for a thousand Patreons. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll gyrate to uh, Jenny Wine's Pony if we get a thousand patrons. That's an easy, easy sell. Well, you'll do that later anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and now that that image is in all of your heads, our wages are in. So let's get the questions. All right. Category number one, the Philosopher's Stone. Your question, what absurdist philosopher wrote the plague? In the category Chamber of Secrets, number two, one of several narrators in the film The Secret what self-help guru gained infamy when sued in a wrongful death lawsuit following three deaths in a sweat lodge? He later became the subject matter for the podcast, Guru. And that is not the triviality sweat lodge, just to be clear. In the third category, Prisoner of Azkaban, what legal term is defined as a plea under which a defendant may choose to plead guilty, not because of an admission to the crime, but because the prosecutor has sufficient evidence to place a charge and obtain a conviction in court. This most notably has been used by the West Memphis Three and Michael Peterson. Question four in the category Goblet of Fire. Mix together Jamaican dark rum, Puerto Rican rum, Demarara rum, lime juice, falernum, Don's mix, grenadine, bitters, six drops of pernod, and light that stuff on fire, and you have made what drink? And question number five in the category Order of the Phoenix. In Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, what character who does not appear in the films was instructed by Fred Weasley to give Dolores Umbridge hell for the Weasley twins upon their departure from Hogwarts? Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. <laughs> the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and caution. 
cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right. Our answers are in place, and we are back. So let's get the questions one more time, see how we did. I'm nervous. What about you, Matt? Um, yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how we did. We'll see. We are not the master of cruelty like we thought. Unless it's self-cruelty. No, that we are. You're like that guy from The Da Vinci Code who just beats his back over mm-hmm. and over again. We are, we are, Paul Bettany? We are like Paul Bettany. With a cat of nine tails. All right. Question one. I wanted the absurdist philosopher who wrote the plague. Uh, we we didn't think it was one of the Greek or Roman guys, so we said Descartes. Um, for 20 points, we wagered. Um, when I think of absurdist philosophers, um, I tend to go French and... Uh, uh, I think this is the same author as the myth of Sisyphus. So we said Albert Camus. Sorry, we got so excited about Descartes that we also wager 20 points. Your answer is Albert Camus. Mm. For number two, I wanted to know the name of the man who narrates the secret and is a self-help guru who was later sued in a wrongful death lawsuit. We wager 20 points again. Uh, I wasn't too sure on the full name. I knew it was, I believe it's three names like uh, Charles Lee Ray and uh, James Earl Jones. I can't remember the other person. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think the last name is Ray. I want to say it's James Arthur Ray possibly, but we just officially locked in with Ray. And uh, we wager 20 and we said Robbins. So your answer is James Arthur Ray, who was in fact trying to be the new Tony Robbins. Gotcha. But his hands just weren't quite large enough. <laughs> Nor were his teeth. <laughs> yeah, we said he had huge teeth, and you say he has big hands. <laughs> All right. Number three, I wanted to know the legal term that someone might use to plead guilty, though they are not claiming guilt or admission of the crime. They are just doing it because the prosecutor has the evidence to convict them. Matt said he had this one for 20 points. Uh, yeah, it's usually, I think, used so that they can take a plea bargain without admitting guilt, uh, which kind of helps them in civil suits later. Uh, I believe it's the Albert plea. Uh, we also wagered 20 points. I think this is the Alford plea. This is the Alford plea. Both the West Memphis Three and Michael Peterson had situations in their uh, original trials, which resulted in them in getting a new trial. And both of them used this so that they could just have time served. So mm. it is Alford plea, A-L-F-O-R-D. Very close, Matt. I had no idea, so yeah. good job getting close. Very close. <laughs> We're getting annihilated. <laughs> this is not good. We are the uh, we are the masters of none, apparently. For question number four, I wanted to know the drink that you make when you mix together a whole lot of rum, some falernum, rhyme juice, Don's mix, grenadine bitters. And you light it on fire. I don't yeah, drink. We don't know. And like I think I'm going to need one after the game. Yeah, we don't know. We put grog because I remember my friend making something on the stove and they called it grog and they set it on fire. So we absolutely had no idea. We just figured maybe this is something that uh, Nikki Six and Tommy Lee drank at one point. So we called it the Motley Crew. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, this is called a flaming zombie Ooh. because I'm assuming you can only be a zombie after you drink that. Mm-hmm. And in the final question, I wanted to know the Harry Potter character who does not appear in the films, who was instructed by Fred Weasley to give Dolores Umbridge hell. For our last 20 points, we said the Cookie Crisp Wizard. <laughs> and uh, we wagered 20 points, but we couldn't think of a single character that wasn't in the films. So, uh... so what's the answer, Harry? <laughs> I think we tapped, so. Yes, we tapped. So this character, I am so upset that he was in none of the films. His name is Peeves, and he is a poltergeist. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Cleese gets all the poltergeist credit. Askpeeves.com. <laughs> all right. Following that uh, last round, we have annihilated our score, leaving us a mere 35 points. I don't know why we do this to ourselves, Matt. Um but I will, not, of cruelties. I will not admit that I'm not as good as these two. Uh, so we'll keep doing it. How about that, Matt? Yeah, we'll take the Alfred plea on this one. Yeah. And uh, these guys picked up 20 points on the final round, bringing their total to 195, making them today's cream of the crop. And the cream, and the cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. 
All right, guys. What do you think about that one? That was a great game, man. Um, I think that might have been one of our only perfect rounds ever. The second round, it really helped us. I think we wouldn't have had a, as large a lead without it. I think it's more proof that uh, 2021 is just like 2020. That was really great analysis, Neil. I think scoring a lot of points did help you win. <laughs> well, Matt, I think the uh, the team that uh, scores more touchdowns today is definitely going to win the football game. Did we, this is a very insider quote uh, for Chicago Bears fans, but did we get the quarterback position right? No. Did we win enough games? No. But everything else is there. That's Ted Phillips. Uh, we have good culture on our side. Good culture on the Bears, even though we lose. That means they go to the museum a lot? or Yeah, they just say... They They're ex- fans of fine dining? Yeah, they go to the art museum and enjoy uh, all the paintings the Art Institute has to offer. Uh, and thank you for that game. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. I absolutely enjoyed it, and I could not wait to do it again. So thank you so much. Yeah, very happy to have you. And uh, I guess uh, that'll do it for today. Um, me and Matt, once again, uh, you know, torturing ourselves, much like I'm going to torture myself watching every Blackhawks game this year. But uh, for today's game, I want to thank you once again. I'm Ken for Matt, Jeff, Neil, and that was Triviality. It's a frigate bird with an F. The old bigot bird. Very selective in its poopings. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Um, Birds getting canceled. 2021. Bigot birds are just from my hometown in Tennessee.